Hello and welcome to the Impact Podcast from us at Impact Wales. We're Finn and Jane and every week we'll be bringing you lots of discussion, comments and opinion on everything research and education. We'll be talking professional learning, what's happening in the education world and everything in between to help you make a difference in your school. Good morning, Jane. Good morning, Finn. And we're back again for episode 137 today. 137. Who would have thought that we'd still be doing this? Oh, how long later? Three years. Yeah, we thought it was just going to be a lockdown thing, didn't we? Gosh. But there we go. Anyway, what have we been doing this week, Finn? Well, you have been marking. Yes, I'm still marking. And I think by the time this goes out, hopefully I will have finished. Hopefully, hopefully. Good. Yes. And we've been to a school aware in Cardiff, the Welsh Medium Primary School, very big Welsh Medium Primary yes. School, to talk about pedagogy, which was yeah. very We exciting. did an SLT session, didn't we? We're we did. going back in the new year to work with all staff, which is which is great. Indeed. And I have been speaking to BBC journalists. You have. Which was fun. <laughs> that was fun. But what we're talking about today is we are going to talk about the upcoming PISA results that should be published on december the 5th well they'd be fairly imminent won't they by the time this podcast comes out that you know there is lots of hype already yes building and i know on the weekend there were a couple of articles from uh america america was one yes there were some results in america some test results in america and we've had some test results in wales as well um so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the pisa results uh um Prior to them coming out, we're not going to actually look at the results. We're going to look at... Because obviously we haven't seen them. No, we're going to look at what the possibilities are, what we should be looking for, how we could interpret them, because there's going to be a lot of interpretation that goes on with them. And I think we need to be very careful about the narrative. Well, it's about any any set of statistics, she says, putting teeth back in, that, you know, you can get the statistics to sort of... Mm you know say whatever you want it to say but it's about being very careful about thinking about what questions those yes that data actually does raise absolutely because reading data is uh, quite a skill and it is really important that we uh, look at it um, as in an as unbiased a way as yeah, possible yeah. and think about as you say what questions does it raise? But more importantly, if you're going to gather data, what are you going to do with it? And that's a really important thing. But I think it's also important to mention today that this is really the, this is a, a podcast in two halves, isn't it? So we're going to, this is the pre-PISA yes. podcast. And, we'll, we'll and we are going to come back later. Post-PISA the, uh, podcast and, and, as well. And having All the P's. Yes. Before we start, though, there was a, an interaction on Twitter last night. One of many interactions oh, on Twitter. One of many. X, 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 yes. Sorry, Twitter. I thought you were we saying that. Twitter. I thought you were saying it was an X. It's discussion. always going to be known as Twitter, isn't it? It is going to be known as Twitter. So on social media, where one of our followers, Barry, Barry Mock, hi Barry, were just made a comment, and it just really made me think. He he said something about that. You know, it, it beggars belief that we have to be diplomatic mm. about how we talk about reading standards in Wales. Yeah. So. With that in mind, we've decided that we don't want to be dip- diplomatic. Well, sorry, not that we don't want to be diplomatic, but we this is too important yeah, to be yeah, diplomatic. Yeah. And I think we've got to the stage in Wales with education where it has be- it's become <laughs> such a political football that it, it's currently um, it is fueling potentially Jeremy Miles' move to first minister or not. And, you know, education is far more important than that. It can't be the make or break of someone's political career. It's got to be the children of Wales, the young people of Wales. Those are the people that education is actually for. So we would like to take this opportunity in this podcast to actually talk about the facts, our opinion, and it is our opinion on what we see happening in Wales, because we can't be diplomatic mm. anymore. And I think that a lot of people out there are very, very frustrated by the narratives that are being bandied around. And the thing is, it's not just here as well, though, isn't it? I know there's been two articles published up in Scotland in yep. the papers today, one on closing the gap yep. and one on, you know, the, a, attendance and behaviour yep. in schools, isn't it? So yep. it, it's not just here, but it is a massive issue. Yeah, And it is something that, yes, you know, we discuss it off air, a lot a lot and I think it is it has come to that point with and you know me I'm not that comfortable 
all the time expressing you Listeners, know, you know, you know yeah, Jane, don't you? Putting my head above the parapet is 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 not in my is in my makeup. I'm quite happy just to, to yeah. take the easy route, but it's got to the point, hasn't it, where that things are so important. We are at a crisis. COVID is going to be with it. We were talking this morning when we about that COVID, the effect of COVID is going to be with that cohort of children for a for very, very long time. time. And I think we've reached the point where, and it's probably overstating it a little bit. Something about you know evil resides where good men do nothing and that, that is overstating it a little bit but you know we can't do nothing we have to start actually saying yeah. exactly what we see going yeah. on you know if nobody is is saying what they see if, if we're not looking at the problems in i i know that i've said this a lot we need to look at something in order and, and to yeah. and be yeah. able to fix it yeah. But, you know, we, we've got one narrative going on in, in the press, another narrative going on at Welsh government level, another narrative going on at, you know, at middle tier level. And we know that, you know, head teachers and teachers are experiencing quite a different yeah. reality is somebody needs to say enough's enough. Yeah. You know, it, a plan to fix this isn't enough. We actually need to say we're going to have to make really, really difficult decisions. And that's what you want from your politicians, from your leaders, is you want them to be making the difficult decision. I just want to go back and remind people about um, um, Jacinta Ahern in um, New Zealand, who made some really, really difficult decisions, you know, closed down the entire country, mm. closed the borders, wasn't letting people return to New Zealand. Mm. And it was the right thing to do at that time. And there are going to be, like the 20 mile an hour speed limit in Wales, there are going to be some times where they're going to be very, very difficult decisions to be made. But at crisis, when yeah. when a country is in crisis, and in fact, even though, you know, the acute crisis of COVID has dissipated, we are still very much at crisis. And the, the yeah. children and young people who whose results are, in these data sets yeah. they're individuals with lives and if they're not reading that's going to have an effect for the rest of their lives yeah. and everybody that they interact with as well so we need we need to be talking about this in a much more open honest and realistic way so there you are that's a little bit of a rant to start but that that's where we're heading today and we've actually got i'm just going to say this now oh, it's a long one today we do we do sort of an outline of the podcast uh, notes before we start. So we make sure that we're covering everything just to kind of, you know, um, marshal our thoughts. And it's usually a couple of pages, four, four pages today, four pages. OK, so the PISA results are going to be published next on week, the 5th, yeah. on the 5th of December. So what should we look for? Let's just kind of set the scene. The, December, uh, the PISA results were originally scheduled for December 2021. Uh, but were actually held in 2022 because of COVID. Yeah, hence why they're being published next next week. So we know that PISA has got various flaws, but it, it's a, a data set yeah. still worth interrogating. Isn't I it? think you just can be very careful how you how you interpret the data and how you look at the data. Mm. But it's actually looking at the data with the fact in mind. This this whole idea about you know where where the UK or where Wales sits within the rankings. Mm. It's all very dependent on, you know, which other countries have decided to participate yes. in that, you know, situation. It's not a case of they've risen up the rankings. Yeah. You know, what does that actually mean? So it's been very, very open about looking at the data, just yeah. not going for the headline figures, which I think we've got to be very, very careful that yeah. we don't do that. Because no doubt, I mean, if we go back to 2009, Leighton Andrews, the PISA yeah. results of 2009, that is where this whole story yeah. started. New jerk reaction to very poor results in 2009. And we can't be in that situation on December the 5th, no. where PISA comes out and all the signs are that it's it's they're they're going to be really quite dramatic results mm -hmm. or uh, a data set you know and we've got issues such as disapplication of students we've got potentially low levels of participation yeah. that there's a narrow focus but we can't use um the uh, pisa data as a political driver it can't become politicized we have to think about what those results are which are individuals they are people 
but I think it is also looking at those results and having discussions around those results, not just taking them at face value. Yeah. It's actually digging underneath and saying, well, what's, okay, going, on? what's going on and how does that relate to some of the other data that, yeah. that's that's been put out? Well, just as you would do in a school, you triangulate the data and you say, yeah. where where is this picture being replicated yeah. elsewhere? Yeah. Where do we see similar things happening? What, mm. what um, solutions are possible? What will need to happen? What are the conditions for those solutions to actually work? So if we look back at the situation, um, in 2018 so the last set of results that came out so reading the reading data hadn't actually changed any hadn't made any significant change since mm -hmm. 2006 it had gone up and it had come back down again mm -hmm. but i think there were two point difference between 2006 and 2018 mm -hmm. so you know okay we've had the um the national literacy framework um but but it, but there's also, been no difference. Yeah, but also really. remember that it's all relative against the the OECD average, and if you've got other nations that are improving, just remembering what an average is. Well, I'm, isn't it? Yeah, what I'm thinking. Yeah, and, and the um, the results in 2018, um, there was a big sort of fanfare about the fact that we would actually moved closer to the OECD yeah, average. But in fact, what had happened is the OECD the average had actually gone down. Yeah because of all of that yeah. as you so were saying it's, it's, those other yeah so the the target that was set in um 2018 by the welsh government mm -hmm. and obviously they didn't know about covid at that point they said that they wanted pisa results to be 500 points for all dimensions mm -hmm. so reading science maths but at that point for reading we were bottom of the table in the uk mm -hmm. so behind northern ireland england yeah. and scotland and quite considerably behind England, for example. Yeah. I think it was something I think like, England had improved, haven't they? Yeah, 10 or 12 yeah, points yeah, behind yeah. them. So in terms of deprivation um, in 2015, it was a 41-point difference between non-EFSM and EFSM. In 2018, it was a 34-point difference. But, you know, just, just reading the article from uh, the Scotsman about the disadvantage gap in Scotland is that it actually hasn't changed any that that... Um, COVID has actually made the situation worse. So any gains that had been made have actually gone backwards. And we have a much different problem now in that we've got those who um, are in social deprivation, um, in living in a context of disadvantage or have disadvantage, that they are have been even more disadvantaged. But there's also this narrative, isn't it, that, oh, you know, whoopee, the, 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 the disadvantage gap is narrowing but when you look at it we're still it's a massive 34 point difference yes we should be more concerned with the fact that we're still significantly yeah working with a, a, a huge difference yeah and this is something that the, the reason why i retweeted the article from scotland from the scotsman because it quite clearly set out schools can't close the no. gap because the gap comes from poverty yeah and until you deal with poverty, schools, society is not. Yeah, it's yeah. a societal issue. Yeah. So if you say, well, you know, if you're coming at this from um, the perspective of schools can make a difference, what can they do? Yeah. As opposed to what's the problem? How can it yeah. be fixed? You know, yeah. we, we need to be honest about but this. But it's recognised as well that, yes, we've had COVID, but we've also had this financial crisis yes. in between. So that's going to have, you know, all these other variables that... Mm that contribute to the to this this data set if we're going to be very very careful and think about it in a much wider sense absolutely so there was also um well-being um data in the in the pisa results and the nfer actually created a report from that that was available on the welsh government website and they were talking about um pupils in 2018 were overall slightly less satisfied with their lives than pupils across the oecd they were more likely to feel miserable and worried and less likely to feel joyful cheerful and proud than pupils in other countries mm. and now well-being is a massive issue huge issue yeah so yeah okay so it, it's this is why we feel that this is this is crisis has bubbled up to the surface because we're actually going to get cold hard data that will give some inkling of of what has what has changed mm. or where we need to look i think I, there is a recognition though that there is an issue with feeding with 
with numeracy, with well-being. But I just feel over the last couple of years, there's just been a, a solution of, well, let's just throw more resources at it. Yeah. But that that's not going to solve the problem. No. And there's been there's been an awful lot of small announcements, like a book for every child. And yeah. We've covered this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, well, we'll have the new guidance on numeracy and math that was announced by um, the yeah. Welsh Government just recently. It's not guidance that's needed. It, it's what we need is we need a change of practice. practice yeah, practical ways. To we change, need a yeah. change of practice. Why are we, why is guidance being announced and then something needs to happen with that guidance? And then we've got an issue mm. of whether it's being properly implemented. It, it seems such a long way away from we need to make a change. Yeah, you should do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. So saying, well, you should be doing this is not the same as actually doing it. So what was really interesting is given that December the 5th is PISA is going to be announced then, unusually, um, the Education Minister in Wales, Jeremy Miles, wrote a, a, a piece for the Times Ed, which mm-hmm. was published a few days ago, talking about a data release that was released on the 23rd of November from the national tests here in Wales. Now, it seems quite um, a coincidence that that should be published literally days before the PISA. So it it suggests that... cynical there, Finn. No, I'm just... This is my opinion. (laughs) I think that this, this data has been put out there in order to manage the narrative about yeah, PISA. PISA. So it's either... Setting the scene, isn't it? Setting the tone. Well, it's either setting the tone and saying, well, we in Wales are doing better than PISA suggests we are, or we in Wales are doing... Yeah, we know that there is a problem and we recognise that here's our tests and here's PISA and they're, they're mm-hmm. similar, or something else. But there was this in the Timeset article, there were... I don't know, about six different initiatives that mm. the, the minister was announcing. A phonics framework, a, a national think, maths and numeracy I think, plan. I think those profession, we're at that point where we've got initiative fatigue. Yeah, absolutely. It's too many, uh, too many bits and bobs that are going on for us to focus on what the real focus, what the real key things need to be. Absolutely. So if we've got a problem with reading, then we've got a problem with learning. Mm-hmm. We've got a problem with independence. We've got a problem with resilience. If there is a problem with reading, we've got a problem with attainment. We've got a problem Everything. across yeah. the curriculum. Because yeah. if you can't read, you can't learn. So why are we not focusing all of our effort on reading? Well, it's the foundational thing for everything, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. So the data release that came out from Welsh Government, and it's freely available, you can go and have a look at it online. We have um, retweeted it. It's on It's on Twitter. Um, The averages, and we're just going to look at the averages and then we'll give you a little bit of data, a little bit of insight into the the kind of layer underneath that. So um, maths attainment. um, This is the procedural. Procedural only. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the one where there was the most data for it. So they were looking at 2018-19 in comparison with the three years afterwards. It's it's the the test that that became the adaptive test first. Right. Okay. so they're comparing pre and post covid Mm -hmm. So post-COVID, there'd been a loss of, on average, across year groups three, six, and nine, um, four months. Okay. In reading, there'd been a loss of three months. Mm. In Welsh reading, there'd been an average of 11 months. Okay. So just let's just take those three sets of data. In the procedural maths, um, the lower year groups had suffered more. Mm. so years two to three were eight months lower years nine had actually they'd improved they were three months up so this is where you start to see that average skills though isn't it that's, yeah that's where we are well this is it so mathematics is a hierarchical subject so once you've mastered the basics you know you're not going to lose as much yeah. as you've mastered them but when you haven't mastered them you've got more to lose whereas english reading it was actually a slightly worse problem as you got older so two to three Age, um, year two, three had lost four months. Year nine had lost five months. Mm. So obviously there, there's there's still children behind all of this data, but reading isn't quite as, it's not the same as, as maths. And if you think about, you know, what it means to be 
potentially, I know this is not quite the same thing, but if you said, well, my reading is now five months below my chronological age, my reading age is five months below my chronological age, you're going to struggle at GCSE. And the gap's going to widen over yeah. time unless something is done about it. But some of the data that came out at the beginning of, or after a couple of months after lockdown, was the mm. prediction was that that some of the maths was yes. going to be more more affected yeah then well and reading. it has been to yeah. be fair it has been the average for the procedural maths yeah. is slightly higher yeah. than for the yeah, yeah. reading but it's a different picture in that it's worse for the younger children mm. who have more time to catch up yeah. whereas reading is worse for the older children who have less time yeah. to catch up and then when you look at welsh reading mm -hmm. it, it's really quite stark because you've got the year three they're um they'd lost six months mm. progress year nine mm. had lost 18 months yes, of progress. that's a massive and loss, and this most probably comes from the case of when you you know your um, children are living in a, an english medium household mm. and may well be going to school without english being spoken at home they've got a lot to learn and that's not that different a situation in year three coming from an English medium household over COVID and coming back into school so it's it's like they didn't have a huge amount of language in the first place and they haven't you know didn't Lost have a lot, lot to yeah. lot to lose but year nine that they should have gone back mm. a year and a half and when you think I mean this is one of the things that we were thinking about well so what if um the, those pupils in year nine don't regain all of that loss in time for year 11 and then they're reading their GCSE yeah. papers and across they the are board. across yeah. the board absolutely and this is the cohort we're talking that will be in year 11 now isn't it yeah so there is the potential as well that those those pupils that we're talking about who've lost 18 months they're also the pupils who are going to be tested in uh, uh, who are, the data is included in the PISA mm. and how many Welsh medium pupils or Welsh medium education pupils were part of that data set you know is that even going to be part of mm. the kind of separation of the data yeah. sets within yeah. PISA you don't know or is it just going to skew everything so there's there's lots to unpick when the results come out isn't it so absolutely so PISA have unusually they've actually set out exactly what it's going to include and highlighted that it's one to look out for so they are already mm. highlighting that the PISA results well the the key for because you know every, every every cycle of PISA there's a a focus on on something in particular I think it was reading yeah it was in 2018 wasn't it yeah. I know for the 2022 21 sorry 2021 that was 2022 yes it was mathematics yes because there was a new mathematics framework that underpinned yeah this and looking at the mathematics framework is very much around the mathematical literacy the mathematical reasoning yeah that sort of element and i know because i did a bit of coding for pisa yeah for, for that section for another nation and it was quite an interesting process to go through yeah i can imagine and um of course that doesn't mean just because the focus is on maths that, that the reading and science are not yeah. they're still yeah. going to be part of it and of course we need to remember that um there's going to be information in the pisa schools about other things as mm. well so they've said there'll be data on reading math and science but they're also going to be data on young people's experiences and the impact on their learning yeah. um, during covid so there's going to be actually going to be two volumes coming out of pisa mm -hmm. not just the one the first one is entitled the state of learning and equity in education mm -hmm. um, so this volume is going to about reading math science pre and post covid so they're just going to look at the three sort of main elements and the differences in performance between 2018 and 2022 and the performance trends for cohorts such as disadvantaged pupils and gender etc and it that's something that we kind of need to highlight is that the data release that came out on the 23rd of 11th from welsh government that didn't go down to that level of detail they are going to release some more data in the spring of 2024, yeah. but maybe we've got a level of detail on PISA that's going to show why um, the different groups yeah. lost so much. Is it? Is it? I mean, that this will be really interesting. It'll be worth looking and seeing for those pupils who are from advantaged backgrounds, 
did their did they actually improve yeah you know because we know that anecdotally people were saying that if you came from a nurtured home life and you had your parents at home and they were working with you it was actually beneficial mm. and they were actually enjoying the time mm. you know maybe those people's the advantage of actually widened from the top mm. end but it but it's also worth remembering for this for this data that has come out that the data that came out from Welsh government is not comparing the progress of a cohort from when they were in year two three to yeah. year six seven to year yeah. nine it's different cohorts yeah and the average in the average that that yeah. massive data set isn't it so i think one of the data sets that we need to look out for in the spring is when they're looking at pupils when they were in yes a particular year group and the progress yeah that has been the, the, the journey that those pupils have made and that will be an interesting one as well absolutely so we've then got a second volume which is called learning during and from disrupt mm-hmm. disruption and that's more about student well-being the resilient education systems whether they maintained or promoted learning and equity well-being during covid and the fact that that's been mentioned means that there are some education yeah. systems out there who actually promoted learning and well-being so actually either remained static or improved yeah it'd be interesting to see what it is they did yeah um how that has impacted their yeah. results from PISA and they've even got data in that second volume on how well they supported the education system supported disadvantaged pupils to maintain their yeah. performance during yeah. COVID so there's lots to look at for specifically so let's go down a list Can I just add to that though there, there, there is another report coming out from OECD from this about creativity is that right. creativity was part of the PISA mm. which would be in that, again going mm. back to curriculum for Wales That'll be another one, but we'll come back to that. Fascinating. Absolutely. So what should we be looking for specifically? Well, obviously, reading improvement or not improvement, going the opposite way. Mathematics improvement or going the opposite way. And yeah, that's the thing I wanted to mention as well, that there was procedural data in the release that came out from Welsh Government. But because the procedural, uh, sorry, the reasoning reasoning data, because the reasoning test had only just, it was the last of the tests to go to online adaptive because it only just turned into an yeah. adaptive test online. That that data is not worth looking at. It, it's, they've only got one year. Yeah, so, so it's, 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 so we don't have the PISA data is much more about that, that mm. numerical mm-hmm. reasoning and problem solving. What, what is interesting though, if, if people want to delve into this a little bit more and you're not really that familiar with PISA, if you go on the OECD website, mm. you can see some example questions yeah. that will give you an idea of the sorts of things that yeah, the 15 year olds have been asked, which is, it, it is an eye opener to have a look and see. Yeah. Because remember, it's not necessarily things that pupils will have been taught directly. It's no. the application of. Absolutely. Of what they've got. They've got. And then we're going to have the well-being data. So we want to look at that as well. But I think one of the things that would be very interesting to look at, knowing that in 2018, we were bottom of the table in terms of the UK. And that is directly comparable because we know what the COVID situation Mm -hmm. is and what the COVID lockdown rules were and how the different countries organised the COVID response and the different policies that the governments within the UK have used since COVID. So we've had, you know, the the tutoring system in yeah, England. England. We've had the recruit retain. I can't remember the R three the R's, R's. Yeah. In in Wales, you know, we've had different policies in response to mm. the loss of learning in the different nations. But we've also got different. Um, education policies generally so we've got systematic synthetic phonics happening in england we don't have that in wales so has that had an impact on the post-covid recovery as well or the during covid recovery and the during covid situation well that's the thing with data isn't it there are so many variables that sit underneath yeah the, the headline data that you've got to think very carefully yeah about what that data is actually telling you absolutely so in terms of our ranking within the uk have that has that gap between us and the rest of the uk widened or decreased have we moved up are we in second place now what's gone on there but we've also even you never know i think that's unlikely you never know but i'm just ever the optimist yeah um so 
also something that is definitely worth looking at are the Scottish results. Because, of course, Scotland has had Curriculum for Excellence in place for nearly 20 years now. Well, the last set of PISA was when Scotland's results, the alarm bells started to ring. Yeah. When they sort of began to dip again. And it's where we were back in 2012 with, you know, the Leighton Andrews uh, set of results. So looking at their within country trends, their changes, their improvements, 15 year olds in December 2022 would have had all bar the first two years of their schooling Mm. under curriculum for excellence. So 12 years in total. So let's let's look at has curriculum for excellence done the job that it needs to do for the children, for the 15 year olds in Scotland. And then let's look in the crystal ball and see whether that might happen in Wales as well, because you know it's all very well and good saying um in in wales oh we do curriculum for wales different it's not the same it is all bar a few minor changes or um, differences it is all bar the same it's the same framework and yes okay we have approached it differently but in terms of professional learning in terms of the support that's available in terms of the autonomy of teachers that's all pretty much yeah, the same yeah. you know it's we, we're not dealing with um significant di- differences in in terms of policy not or as, ethos not like we have between wales and england, england no no it's much more similar than england yeah. is so it makes sense to have a look and see how scotland has done so significant differences internationally in terms of well-being resilience and what they could be attributed to i mean one of the things that I was thinking, and I, I, it'll be really interesting to see whether this is borne out, is that I just thought, is is there going to be, um, you know, when you're thinking about well-being and promoting learning despite the lockdown, because I saw a I saw a photograph, okay, and this is this is a totally messed up photograph, but I just just saw this on. It was a news report from China where there were children in China who were in A and E, and they had they were connected to drips and they were doing homework oh really yeah and i was just thinking well we already know that southeast asia i don't know how accurate that was so i'm not Mm. i'm not going to say that's the way of things but we know in southeast asia there is very much a culture of collective effort Mm -hmm. the effort is rewarded through you know excellence Mm -hmm. and that you know the expectation is that you will work very very hard education is seen very differently isn't it yeah so has that has that come through in the data post COVID that, you know, it was seen as really important that everybody kept on working. Maybe maybe some um, countries had better systems to support remote learning. I mean, we watched um, a webinar, didn't we? Of early Singapore, days, Singapore, it? yes. Where they had um, like, uh, what do they call it? Hybrid learning, mm. where some were at home and mm. some were in the classroom and everyone was using well, the That was early on, wasn't it? That was yeah. April. 2020. 20, 20, yeah, mm. wow. Okay. So um so there's inferences there around who's done best yeah. as well, because it, it might be that the more liberal individualistic societies mm. like the UK, like America, like the US, mm. haven't actually done as well as the more kind of social, cohesive, collective but it, approaches. But it's also where you place the importance, isn't it? We we've mentioned this before when we've talked about PISA in the past about those those countries that may be doing very well on the yes the headline data mm. for for reading and mathematics and science in particular but if their well-being scores are somewhere near the bottom absolutely morally is that a good is, choice is it, yeah so it's deciding you know what's the what's the best oh, balance yeah trade-off absolutely so yeah quite right and that's what i meant when i brought up that question of these these mm. this mm. photograph of children in hospital on a drip doing homework yeah. it's kind of like oh should they really be doing homework yeah. i don't know but it's so but it's also worth mentioning that the cohort that sat pisa in 2022 yeah would have had the benefit of the lnf yeah they would which we didn't have really in in, in 2018 because it hadn't really had time to embed for those mm-hmm. pupils in secondary no that the amount of time that that it would have needed to be yeah 
Absolutely. So that's another interesting one to see. It is. And, you know, we've got other questions in terms of curriculum design, system resilience, staff, pupil mm. well-being. You know, there's there's lots and lots of questions. And I think it it's, it would uh, a deep analysis of what you can see and the, the different systems and their approaches and mm. their that during COVID policies, their post-COVID education policies, because we know that PISA drives education mm. policy. And there's often from the politicians, because this is big news, it's a headline, it, it's, you know, even people not involved with education know that PISA is important. And it often um, pushes politicians to make big announcements. Mm. And you know, we want to we want to have a think about whether those announcements are yeah. really justified. But it's also worth mentioning it's it's the danger of policy based on one set of mm. data. Well, let's let's talk Cause about because I, I know both you and I back in twenty eighteen we did some work facilitating some of the PISA tests. Oh, we so did. We went yeah. into schools secondary schools here in that South was really interesting. and I can remember there were two schools that I was in and I had to draw on every single teaching teacher ex- expertise that yes. I had to motivate a group of 15 year old lads yes that I had no connection teacher connection with no relation I was somebody coming in mm. that to get them motivated to complete the test online. and not, not just, just click 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 all the way through yeah you know, and, and it, same, you've got yeah. to bear that in mind as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So there are various different responses that Welsh Government could have, depending on the results. Yeah. You know, it, it could be, well, we've done really, really well, spin. Mm. Um, but we really want to look yeah. at, does the data actually bear that yeah, out? Because yeah. we know. What other data can I go to to look at to see if that well, also, supports that or doesn't? Also, I just we'll talk about this a little bit later that on very many occasions, and we haven't really made a big thing of this because, you know, it's it's this idea of being diplomatic. And if you Mm. say something, you raise your head above the parapet, are you going to be shot down? Mm. We know for a fact that there have been data sets that have been out there that have been used to to design education policy that have been said to be one thing, and they're absolutely not. You know, it's spin has become not just you know, a, a version of the truth, but actually a completely different yeah. um, thing. So, you know, when we're looking at this data set and we're, we're hearing the narrative, this is a fact-checked, fact, mm. fact, fact, say it, fact, fact check yeah. opportunity <laughs> is check, do the facts actually bear that yeah, out? Yeah. You know, we know that COVID is the problem, but are Welsh Government going to say, well, COVID is the problem, not, not our education, education policies? Yeah. We can't blame it all on COVID. No, we can't, because there will be some systems who have done better than us. Yeah. But have lo- maybe the, the, the difference between where they were in 18 and where they were in 22 will also be less, mm. potentially. And that will be down to the, the actions that they took mm. or the actions mm. that they are taking or the actions they took beforehand. So... Yeah, it, it's we need to compare how we in Wales have fared in comparison with the other UK nations, the other nations internationally, and what are those actions being attributed to, and what's the narrative that's coming out from Welsh government? Because I mean, just talking about COVID and how we've responded to COVID in Wales. So at the time when COVID was rife. Um, the narrative in Wales was, well, we're not doing a deficit model. We're not saying pupils have lost learning and we're just helping them to um, to maintain, make, yeah, yeah. maintain or to make strides. And it was the argument was we're not doing what England are doing. But it feels like um, Welsh Government has said, right, well, we've done that. Tick done, move mm-hmm. on. Now we're in a different situation. Now we're... Um, in a situation where it's curriculum for Wales, full guns blazing and professional learning and, you know, review of the middle tier. And we've forgotten about the fact that the COVID recovery policies, whatever they were, haven't actually solved the learning loss. They haven't 
worked because we're still in a situation where we've got quite clearly yeah. pupils that have lost and you you know any teacher you talk you talk to students are not where they were no before so it doesn't really matter whether you've done the tutoring as they did in england or whether we've done the triple r program that we did in wales neither of them have actually worked yeah i think the data that's coming out of england isn't it regarding the tutoring necessarily overall yeah hasn't made the significant difference that they wanted it to happen so another possibility welsh government response we're probably we are querying the pitch (laughs) welsh government they're not going to be able to say any of these things now let's hope but Another narrative that could come out what would be, well, curriculum for Wales is going to save the day. So we know there's a problem, we know there's an issue, and it's a little bit like what, what yeah, Jeremy yeah, Miles yeah. said in the Times Ed situation, is we've done lots, and curriculum for Wales, well, that's all about making sure that disadvantaged pupils close the gap and making sure that teachers have the autonomy to to make the difference. But it, but, but we know, don't we, that reading is at the foundation of everything yeah if reading is not changing if yeah. our approaches to reading are not changing and they're not we're, we're still going to be in the situation absolutely so that the approaches to reading are pretty much what we were doing back in 2009 there's not mm. been a huge shift you know it, it's very much in terms of teachers do what you like mm. uh, that's maybe a little bit simplistic but you know we we also may have a narrative where we're talking about well Scotland's different from Wales so if there's any downward trend in terms of what Scotland have done well that's because we've got a different curriculum here and we're not going to be in that situation so watch out for that narrative as well okay so you're shuffling your paper there I am shuffling my paper sorry because it's the the next thing okay so we included this part in in the podcast because um this is about how Welsh governments use data or are currently using data to make policy decisions. And it's all about the reform of the school Mm -hmm. year, turning um, our very traditional uneven term times and uneven um, holiday times into a, what was termed in the research paper, year-round education, where it's more evenly split. So, you know, maybe aiming for, two week half terms at October and May and a four week summer holiday. Now, I just want to set out from the beginning that I personally are actually in favour of that. I think I think that would be better. Yeah. But that's just my yeah. opinion. And I'm I'm fairly indifferent. I'm open to yeah. any sort of discussion. Open to offers, oh, open to offers. Well, there's this there's pros and cons to both, isn't it? And it's yeah. and it's what suits sometimes it's very much your own personal opinion what suits you the best yeah but i think we've got to remember it's what suits our learners the best yeah so personally i would actually welcome that change mm-hmm. however okay so the reform of the school year so what the suggestion is currently is that they're going to take one week out of the autumn term in um october and tack it on to the end of the summer term. So we'll get two weeks at October half term and a, a longer, mm. um, or it'll feel longer because there's an additional week at the end of uh, So it's a sure, it's a, so we're losing one week. Yeah. Relocating one week from the summer term, from yeah. the summer holidays yeah. into the October half term. Well, can I just say though, we haven't really had an October half term. No, for a it's been years. November, isn't it? It depends yeah. where they put it. Yeah, that that's another issue, isn't it? Okay, so we're we're not really going to talk about the pros and cons of yeah the way they're doing it, or whether it's the right thing to do or not, or or anything like that. What we want to look at is um, the research that was carried out that was used to um, underpin the decision making, and what it includes and what it doesn't include. And then how it's been characterised by Welsh Government, because I listened to Jeremy Mars in the Senate in plenary, and he actually said something along the lines of um, that the research shows that the uh, year round education, so the more even split, has the potential to make a difference for disadvantaged pupils. So he's linking what the research tells us with the rationale for changing the year. So he's, he's literally saying We've looked at this research and the research supports this yeah. approach. And 
supports this approach specifically for pupils from a disadvantaged background and well-being. So the research, there were four. And I know you've gone into this in quite a lot of detail. I've read them all. Yeah. I have read all of you are that sad. I am that sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read all four pieces of research and looked at the methodology of each of the pieces of research Mm -hmm. and looked at the conclusions and what the research has actually said. So in March of 2022, there was a rapid evidence assessment, uh, which means that they took, uh, and I think it was something along the lines of in the last 10 years, they took the all of the research around year round education. They also looked at other things, um, but we're not going to get into those. The other things were the extending the school day and stuff like that, but we're not going to look at that. Just going to look at year round education. And what they did is they found lots of studies from the US where, in fact, in the US, a lot of schools in the US, the traditional um, term split is a 13 week holiday. Yeah, they have a very long summer holiday, don't they? And they only have two big mm. semesters which are split into quarters mm. so when they were moving from the traditional split of the term times to the year-round education it was a much bigger change much much bigger change and they also had either single track um year-round education or multi-track year-round education multi-track year-round education what they what they had was in one school they would have two different term and holiday Mm -hmm. split programs because of overcrowding in school Mm -hmm. so they were actually and I actually taught in a school in in Greece when I first started my career that did exactly that they had a different cohort of pupils in the morning and a different in the afternoon so they were having different at different times of the year in order to actually get more pupils through that particular school so again we're not going to have that in Wales so there's and the research has quite clearly said this that um, the U.S studies uh, which were the majority of the studies couldn't be taken as a, a good example of what might happen in wales because they were well, so different the, the systems are so different are they so it's you know not very like but like absolutely so there were very very few from the uk and also when they were looking at whether these actual studies or these research papers supported the fact that standards had been affected positively or negatively they had a couple of studies, I think there were something like 12 studies in total, where they looked mm. specifically at the results, you know, standards. So a couple of um, studies were saying, yeah, results improved, standards improved. They had quite a few in the middle that said, well, there was no significant change. But they also had a couple of studies that said actually it made things worse, mm. especially for disadvantaged pupils. So what the researcher said is this um, these studies are very limited you can't really generalize the us studies to the uk and the studies are of limited significance so they said more research is needed so as a research base that those um, research papers they're not good enough really to say yeah it's going to improve things Mm -hmm. because there were there were studies on both sides and there is a risk there. Well, what yeah, if which you know? One, yeah. What if we end up with a situation? What if the ones where things got worse are the more robust? Yeah, ones likely to be replicated. You know, it's what if it does get worse for the children that we really want this to yeah. work well for? Okay, so there was that um, research. They then repeated uh, a rapid ev- evidence uh, assessment in October twenty three because it was so limited, looking mm-hmm. for more studies. And they only found three papers. That's not very many, is it? Okay. And they also included in that qualitative surveys on the changes. And I would just like to point out that one of the papers, if those three, if I remember correctly, or it may have been one of the papers in the original rapid evidence assessment, had it was surveys from 11 people. So it was a really, really, really tiny yeah. sample. Now, I know that qualitative research is used often to um, explore people's experiences, and it's really useful for doing that. But if you're looking looking at it from the perspective of we need hard data to see if, if standards are raised or lowered, rather than how do people feel about this, then surveys, qualitative data is not very good at doing that. 
I, I know from some of the discussions we've had, I know there's, there's lots been going on, on Facebook and everything around this consultation. And one of the things we were talking about this morning is mm. one of the reasons that is cited for why this is going to make a difference mm. if we shift is that um, the perception from teachers is that pupils forget their learning over right. the summer holidays. And right. we've had a long discussion this yes. morning about, well, well, what's going on? Okay, so let's just look at that. So when you ask people, when you, you put a survey out and you say, do you think it would be a good idea to have a shorter summer holiday? Mm. And then you'll have teachers will say, well, yeah, during the summer holidays, they, they forget lots of stuff and then I have to reteach it to them. So what's actually going on here? Now, if you look at cognitive science, forgetting is part of the memory process. Yeah. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Well, you need it to happen. Yes. For them to learn. Absolutely. So is what's going on here something that we're trying to get rid of? And it does. The narrative does suggest that with Jeremy Miles when he was talking about, you know, we don't want learners. And he, I think he said in the sense, we don't want learners to have to recover their learning and be retorted. I'd just like to point out, <laughs> Mr. Miles, that that is actually how learning works. Yes. So are we in a situation where the perception is that with any kind of holiday, pupils forget their learning and that's a bad thing and we should get rid of it? Yeah. Then the qualitative surveys may not be as useful as we thought we were. The other side of things is if you have a qualitative survey and then you code people's answers and you turn it into quantitative data, it doesn't actually make it that much um, stronger. It's just a different method yeah. of gathering that information. So, you know, Jeremy Miles, and I am quoting here, has said already of those, oh, there was another um, June 22, there was um, a, a Beaufort research, did a, a load of surveys, and then there was the Miller report. Um, they which were looking the, which at- Which is the latest one, isn't it? Yeah, they were looking at surveys about the, the current yeah. status quo calendar. So there was an awful lot of surveys and some very, very limited results and on both sides. So not statistically that significant. Well, well it, it was roughly about 5% of schools, wasn't there, within the Miller report? Absolutely. So the when Jeremy Miles says, you know, the evidence shows us that, and I'm quoting, has the potential to improve educational standards. Well, yeah, you know, going to the circus once a day has the, you know, has the potential, potential to yeah. improve educational standards. It might. If we if we understand what he's saying as the research tells us this will make a difference, that's something different. Mm -hmm. So the the policy imperative, you know, the 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 feeling that, well, we need to change the school year because we've agreed with Plyde that this mm. is part of our election promise that this is what we're going to do and we've done a load of research and we're saying of that research has the potential to improve educational mm. standards not forgetting Jeremy Miles he's a former lawyer who uses his word really really carefully that is not the mm. same as saying look here's the evidence and this is what it says and we are going to do this about it it's it feels a bit like um research has become, become part of the spin but also as part of that those you know anybody responding to that consultation mm. you know does everyone have the time to go back and look at the research yeah. that's sitting underneath or are they just going in and saying well this is what know, I this feel is what I feel this is what I think this would suit me yeah personally yeah you know I used to live as a teacher I used to love the summer holidays yeah because you got that time to switch off but yeah. on the other side of that two weeks in October would be great so yeah you can't have both absolutely and I think that um you know, as human beings we're also really poor at um assessing um accurately what's really because, going on yeah you know, because we make sense of the world through, you know, shortcuts, mental shortcuts and um, perceptions. And often, for example, you know, if you ask pupils who've read and reread their notes, do you think you're ready for exam? Have you learnt a lot? They'll be really positive yeah. and say, yes, I've learned a lot. If you give them retrieval practice, 
where they're having to struggle to get the answer, say, are you ready for your exam? Have you learned a lot? They'll say, no, no, no. I'm, I'm. So we're actually, as human beings, we're really poor at making those kinds of crucial decisions of is this a good thing or is it a bad thing? What those surveys have actually done is they've said, what's your opinion? Yeah. So are we are we really designing policy based on people's opinion? If that's the case, and there's nothing wrong with that, if that's the case, then let's say that. But if we're designing it based on empirical evidence, evidence, then say that. Yeah. But we're we're being told, yeah, it's kind things, of isn't it? a yeah. mixed thing that we're saying that we've got some. I think people assume empirical evidence that proves yeah. that this is going to make a difference, and therefore this is our policy. Because if we're going to make policy decisions based on in quote unquote data then when we're looking at PISA this is data mm. it's really important that we have a clear understanding of what that data is telling us what it can't tell us yeah the questions that it's the limitations raising, of that data the limitations you know what's the quality of it mm. You know, we know there are limitations with PISA. Is it robust? Is it statistically significant? Is it quantitative or qualitative or both? Mm -hmm. What can actually be done about it? Because, you know, the, the post-COVID policies, like the tutoring programme, when that was introduced in England, it was said, well, we know that additional tutoring makes a real difference. And there is empirical data mm -hmm. out about that. But that's not actually what happened in the tutoring system. That lots of pupils just didn't get any. No, no, that's it. So, you know, what are the risks? How can they can be mitigated? What actually should be done? Mm. Not um, what's available to do, but what should be done. You know, it, this is this is the job of the politicians. But th there's also that, you know, if this doesn't do what we expect it to do, yeah. what then? I know there was a, a couple of ALAs up in north of england where was it um doncaster yes that's right who they looked at the school year yeah and they looked at changing yeah the school year to something you know fairly not not dissimilar to what, mm -hmm. what we're doing here and they tried it and they had to change it back again it back because people's opinions they weren't happy yeah. with it so if we're basing policy decisions on people's opinions in surveys then will we change it back if people don't mm -hmm. like it mm -hmm. You know, that's a, that's a really difficult, really challenging precedent to set. So oh, we've got Brexit to go along that, oh, that line gosh, as well. Yeah, so yeah, there we go. Yeah. So I think what what we're saying in terms of um, this example, the, the school year, is what we want from our politicians is real transparency, because Jerry Mars made a really big thing about we've published all the research. You can mm. go and look at the research. So I did, yeah. and I read it, yeah. and it wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. But it how many, wasn't what how you many said people are actually going and looking at the research? Who's got the time? Well, exactly. And that's the thing, is it's almost enough to say, well, look, we've published the research, therefore it must be okay. Take our word that it's all fine. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're relying on the fact that people are not going to have a look at it because we've read it and it's it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. It's not certainly not what was mm -hmm. inferred in terms of the significance of the um the data so let's go back to pisa <laughs> let's go back to pisa well it's a single measure it's a useful yeah, starting point for discussion shot, isn't it and that's like, like any set data set that we've talked about that we do when we work with schools it's just remember it's a snapshot yeah of performance on that day yeah for that particular group of pupils and remember it's a sample yeah of pupils that are selected to do this and it's not self-selection it's yeah a list but it's it's an opportunity and this is why yeah. we are going to come back in a, a future podcast after the data is um um published when we've had a chance to look at it properly yeah. we're not going to rush on that because of course but we want to make sure we have the the, the right yeah we are going to come back to that data and we are going to have a a really good mm. look at an analysis a discussion of what it can and what it can't tell but us but also from what the narrative that's going out whether that reflects what we see exactly with the data as well I think so we're going to give you our listeners you lovely people who are mm -hmm. listening to us we're going thank to be listening yes thank you uh we we're going to give you that reality check and 
where there isn't evidence in the data for the things that, that appear in the narrative within Wales, we're going to tell you that. Yeah. And I think that's really important because as going back to our original point, we really are at crisis. There are some pupils, some children, some young people in Wales who are at risk of being lost. And we really can't allow yeah. that. We can't be diplomatic anymore. We have to stand up and say, is there a better way? If there is a better way, why aren't we doing yeah, it? Let's do it. Okay. So what's next for us? Well, apart from, you know, starting the Christmas shopping, we are um, back at the Venerable, Venerable Edward Morgan Cluster. Yes. That's been in the future. We've got some meetings coming up we as well. We have got some meetings. For packages for next year and which beyond. Which is really exciting. And then we are thinking about possibly doing a new event in the spring term. So lots of news coming out on that one. I don't think we'll... We'll no, we're not sharing just yet. yet, but that will be an interesting one. Link to some of the things we've been talking about today, though. Absolutely. So there you are. That's your nice long podcast for the day, and we will see you again soon. Take care. Bye now. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss future episodes. You can find us online at www.impact.wales. You can also follow us on social media on Twitter, we're at Impact Wales. On Facebook and Instagram, search for Impact Wales and on LinkedIn, search for Impact School Improvement.